Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode 18, recorded May 12th, 2021. No guest this week. Instead, we're going to let Grant run wild with some of his insights on technology and COVID. In fact, it's almost all Grant all the time on this show. Here he is with the news. All right, Grant, uh, what have you got on your list of news items this time? Well, I think I've got um, some very interesting things. I have one now that I know is going to make you so happy to start with. So, um, and all of us, after two years, we have to gain back. And that is, um, will quantum neutral networking lead to human immortality? Oh, are we going to talk about the singularity again? Oh, but we're going to talk about how, yeah, given, given what we know now with quantum theory, uh-huh. given what we can predict, and they say that, with quantum measuring what it can now today, there is no reason why we can't live forever. Okay, you're going to have to explain this because uh, I'm, I'm already confused. Well, I mean, essentially, the, the way quantum works, right? Um, you've got quantum theory and you have classical physics, right? Right. We've never been able to untangle that so that we can figure out how we can live longer and, in fact, make the body and its mind and its brain work forever. Right. And with the vision of these two different neutral networks, um, what you call, you know, I mean, you do more reading than most, we call that entanglement. We have now the ability to do that. And so having the ability to do that means billions and it's kind of like when you have two different drum kits playing and you want to get them together, rather than find out how those two jam together, we can have billions doing it instead of one or two. Let's just back up again. Yeah, yeah. Cla- classical physics, quantum physics, one works on a macro level, one works on an ultra micro level, and the two of them at a certain point do not mesh. Right. And we, and we call that quantum entanglement. We'll do that. They don't mesh. Holy shit. Very good. Yes. Right. So... so Scientists have been looking for this unified theory of everything that would bring together absolutely all the physical properties Correct. of the universe Correct. on the largest size, you know, size of galaxies and, and, and uh, galactic filaments and all the way down to below electrons. Yes. Now, okay. Now, hold on. And this is speculation, of course. But guys, everything we've learned our whole lives has been speculation. Um, so grounded to the reality is they haven't quite unified the classical and quantum, but when they do, right, it changes everything because that's the roadblock to to, to immortality. Uh, okay, are you telling me that once people figure out how to reconcile the differences between classical physics, Einsteinian physics, and quantum physics, that somehow this is going to allow a physical body to be programmed into something which will allow our consciousnesses to carry on infinitely. Correct. Yeah, because we'll repair things live. We'll do things that we didn't know we could do. Okay. 
And and the second, and now remember this, guys, remember this. Um, the brain can be strong. Um, even your new hip, you knew this can be strong. However, there's all those interconnecting parts that we don't know what can, how long they're going to last. If you had the ability to control all those all the time, there's no reason for them ever to, to perform any differently. It would be no difference than the brain saying, you know what? I'm not going to make that step to the right and tear my knee. I'm not going to do this. Why? Because I know now. I know in advance. What are we talking about? Remember, everything's about quantum computing is predicting. Right. Think if you could do that, guys. It would say, wow, we could live forever. We're just an organism that could live forever. So so how do we live forever? Well, I, I, well we live forever be you live forever because quantum computing, right, allows it to untangle um, all the issues that happen to make it all one complete body. So are, are, so, are we talking about like Ray Kurzweil's idea of, 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 of uh, reducing human consciousness to, to something uh, virtual powered by quantum computing or something on the quantum level? that will allow that essence of us to continue forever? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to compare it. Um, so, so okay. So, wait, what's your point here? So, you say that we're getting closer to this? Yes, absolutely. Oh, of course. That's, I mean, 10 years ago, quantum physics was quantum physics. Now we're getting to the point where we're starting to distinguish between the two, classical and quantum, and entangle the entire universe. Um, when we do that, you know how much we learn from that and what we can tell the body to do and not do and solve things. Remember, again, Alan, Alan, okay, I'm going to make it real simple here because this is a good discussion. Why do we have cancer? Well, because we have mutations that occur in when, when cells reproduce. And how are we going to solve that? What do we do now? What do we do now to solve cancer research? We go out and we do all kinds of stuff, right? Well, it's chemotherapy. Uh, oh, you know, even even before that, even before that research, we'd cut it. Okay, we'd research it and we'd end up cutting it out where we could. Yeah, or and even before that. <laughs> now I'm getting into the downside. Before all that, we want to be able to recognize it. Instead of a hundred scientists working on it, we have billions of information. And we're going to solve that in a day instead of a year. Oh. Now, imagine if your body could solve it right away. Oh, got this. There's a million ways to do it. We've already found the solution. I, okay. That is what quantum theory is all about. You are not backing up far enough. That's all. I see. I'm saying even before all this, the body and mind said, oh, yeah, got that solved. Move on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And you know what? I honestly couldn't before. But now I can. So you're. Can you imagine? Yeah, go ahead. So, sorry, sorry, Alan. Go ahead. So you're also saying that by applying quantum computing to theory, theory, quantum theory, quantum computing is one part okay. of quantum. Quant quantum computing is part of the whole quantum theory, right? And you're saying if we apply quantum theory to health issues, we could have billions of solutions. There, there's yeah. There are no health issues. Yeah. And, and we, yeah, we, okay, we have billions of, of, of things working on a billion problems. One little thing. Or one little thing. Yeah, okay. You got it. And, and that's, that solves our, our health problems going forward. Why do we have a problem with 
anything, whether it be curing a certain cancer or a COVID, because resources. We are smart enough. But everyone says it takes time. It does, but not with quantum. The whole idea of quantum theory is right, or quantum physics is it's weightless. Right. So it happens now. So this is a news story. Have you have you got a, a piece of news related to this, or are you just spouting off? Yeah. Theories? What is the news? No, I'm uh, news. I'm reading it every oh, day about a whole bunch all of right, stuff. All right. No, no. So there's lots of news. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you, yeah. You understand. This is proof. You understand here that my job on this podcast is to be the layman, and you're the expert. So I'm, I'm just asking questions. Okay, okay. So from what I'm reading, it's very exciting. It's almost like it's almost like quantum mechanics are what I'm going to talk about next. It's almost like reading in popular mechanics. Oh, we have this now. And you insert it, and it works. No, it's not that, of course. But it is true, guys. It's coming. I think that quantum entanglement is coming. And when that happens, it opens up the whole idea of we could live forever. Because our body is, what is it? It's cells. If you can tell those cells what to do properly, why can't we live forever? I believe it. Alan, not saying I am, but I would love to. Um, I'm enjoying what life. But people should read more about this. If you read about quantum entanglement, it's pretty exciting. And everyone's working on it. You ask me, it's it's news. Yeah, it's news. It's everywhere. You can read it anywhere. Well, I'm going to really throw things into a tizzy here. Quantum entanglement is also this idea that Einstein spoke about called spooky interact yeah. at a distance. So you would have yeah. one thing way over on one side of the universe and another thing on the yeah. other side of the universe. And if you change one, the other instantaneously changes. Weightless. I get it. Okay. Yep. Weightless. All right. Yeah. Man, oh man, it's so exciting. It is so exciting. So that's it. Okay. Now that my brain hurts, do you have any other news stories that you want to talk about? Well, let's lead into some fun stuff that, again, is uh, is like popular mechanics, but it really is popular mechanics. Um, and you'll love this. Um, it is funny how you take a certain technology and apply it to something bigger. Like when I walk down a street, Alan, I will look at a post box and say, oh, what if that was electronic and had this and had this? And that's a copy of an idea and making it better. So the big thing now is bladeless Air taxis. Bladeless air taxis. And, okay. So, and I think when I say air taxis, I'm, I think further than that. But let's look at what's being done. There are companies out there now that are developing the bladeless air taxis. There's one called Jetto Jetoptera. And it's, it's, a, it's a propulsion system that is a drone that sits two people in it. Okay. Hey, yeah. And where did they get the idea of this? Okay, I wanted to say this. It is designed around the idea of one technology we all know very, very well, the Dyson fan. Right. So the Dyson fan, as you know, is a propulsion system that has no fans. Right. I have one. It is an air propulsion. We all know it. We know it well. We think it's cool. It's expensive. But that is what they're building now called the bladeless fan. And, and why is that important? Because think of one of these in your driveway, the size of a car, that goes straight up and lands straight down. And therefore, it does not take up all the problems you have in traffic and, and what we call carbon-free travel. So, so think of uh, you and 
of a of a taxi picking you up where it drops down in front of your house rather than weeds through traffic. So it goes up and down. And then what happens is you have your think of your four fans, two in the front, two in the back, up and down. Okay. Right. And then when it gets in the air, the two in the front fold down and the back fold up, and all of a sudden you're going a propulsion of 200 miles an hour. Okay. And that's what's being done. And by the way, it's already tested. Right. So we, we've had vertical takeoff and landing craft for quite some time. but the, Of course, but, just not bladeless. But not bladeless. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've had helicopter type things. We've had, uh, well, Harrier jump jets, for example, which use jets. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Okay, so a Dyson air taxi. Let's call it that. Yeah, and, and, everyone, and it's not one company doing it, but there is companies like the one I told you about, uh, which has a great video. You should, yeah, I tell people to go to, Jet Poptra or go to YouTube and you can see it. It's pretty cool. What what's it called? Jet G E T J E T O P T E R A. Okay. Jetoptra. And it is a dumb name, if you ask me. But anyhow, um, we won't forget it. But it's it's pretty amazing. And um it goes two hundred miles an hour now because it has two rear thrusters that, that the fronts fold in. But it's gonna go four hundred at one time down the road. And now think of this two people just sitting in a craft. And you have these all over the place and they just, why wouldn't you just have it as your car? I mean, I, that's my viewpoint, but I'm telling you, that's not in the cards right today. I, I am hoping that in our lifetimes, we will see flying cars finally. I've been promised we will. flying cars since I was born. I haven't seen one yet. I think you will. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll leave you with one thing that I always, you know, I always give people to go and listen to songs and that. There was a great rap song that came out um, out of Australia, a guy had a song, and it was about um, where is my um, hoverboard? Great song. And that was written 15 years, 20 years ago. And, of course, if you didn't notice, the newest thing everyone's talking about is the hoverboards flying around in, in L.A. and other places being tested now where a guy's on a hoverboard. He's pushed up by air propulsion, and then he flies along. How does it work? Forced air magnetics. So what it does, it pushes a magnetic field down on gravity and pushes you up. And then you go forward based on that gravity and air. Well, yeah, because, okay, my hoverboard, hang on. Weird, I think it's called Weird Science or something. It's a great song. No, wait, the song is, uh, it's called Where's My Hoverboard from Facts from the Future. It's a 2016 song from an album from an EP called Hunters of Comets. Okay. Uh, we have been waiting for hoverboards ever since Michael J. Fox jumped on one in Back to the Future in 1985. Yep. A and uh, if this happens, I'll buy one and break my neck. But that's okay because quantum computing would be there to save my my life as uh, as, as um, I think it's the coolest thing. So I know we got off topic there, but um, that, that's what we're looking at with all this stuff. I think the whole area of this area of drones and hoverboards will eat up our life. Okay. Um, which which kind of leads me to my last news of the day, because I have to give you news. And, Alan, I always leave you with something that's nice and to think about or scary that you can't sleep. But the biggest thing that I think that drones are doing for us is learning about others and about nature. So we have hey, drones now that fly around in the air. We have drones now that go through the ocean. And we are seeing things that we never saw in our life. You know, we see the drones that are showing whales hugging each other that we didn't even know happened. 
Right. We're showing drones underwater that truly are simply amazing, that are talking to um, uh, sharks, introduced to doing things with dolphins. Um, it's just the whole thing of the drone, I think, is the future. And, and I think that when I saw the last one of the drones watching the two whales hugging each other, side by side, sideways, with their flippers and everything. No one's ever seen that, belly to belly. We didn't know that type of affection even existed. And I think drones are going to interface with everything in the world, and we're going to learn so much about everybody and everything. And that's a positive side of what a drone will do. And I think more so guys in water than air, but I think that that's pretty cool. We've all been affected by the COVID situation in one way or another, and there's been a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking in hindsight about how things were handled. Grant has some views on all that. We we seem to be coming slowly out on the other side of the whole COVID pandemic. We've uh, had some reopenings in the UK. We're seeing things going well in Israel. We're seeing things going well in parts of the United States. So uh, what have we learned, Grant? What has come out of all this? We must have learned some lessons. We must. There must be some benefits that we can take from this last 14, 15 months? Oh, oh there's lots of benefits, and, and we're going to probably talk about those, but I'm going to start it with this. And Alan, whether you got it in the mail, I did. I got a mail in from, I got a letter in here, while Joyce did, from the Justice Center, who's going to sue the government. What? And, and, and yeah, yeah, they're going to, they're launching a suit on the government because they say that basically all this could have been avoided. Um, and experts are now saying, the lockdown harm, they're saying lockdown harmed us 10 times more than it could if we didn't lock down. And they show statistics. And these are hard statistics. What, what we've all been saying along, by the way, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm giving you facts. I like facts, guys. Not, you know, there has been never any scientific fact or research that's provided that why we'd lock down in certain areas and why we do in ours. There's never been any. To this day, there hasn't been. Um, and that's why restaurants are arguing and everyone. So what I got um, recently, and I wanted to hold it off, there's an article written in The Sun that talks about this. Um, and I think what you're going to just really blow your mind is this. It's going to blow your mind. Um, and then we'll talk about, even though that happened, what was going on. Um, fact, okay, 2019, 2020, 2018, same mortality rates in Canada. Fact. Are, are, are you talking about rates of death per 100,000 people? Rates, total deaths in Canada okay. for the last right. four years has not changed, including COVID. Okay. Fact. Okay. That is fact. Okay. Um, however, fact. People dying from cancer, people dying from poverty, people dying from tuberculosis has gone up and is much higher than COVID. Fact. Okay. Why did we lock down? Why did we lock down? Well, a lot of people say we don't know why, because we took something and ran with it. We didn't know why we did it. Uh, would we have done it differently if we would have just sit, sat back and truly applied science and fact? Because we didn't. Um, we all know now that we had a problem in nursing homes, but did we really have a problem outside nursing homes? If you take out the nursing homes, fact, there were less deaths, okay? 
Yeah, it well, is. Sweden. Yeah, well, go ahead. Talk but, about Sweden because I know but, Sweden is a great example. Okay, so Sweden decided that they were going to plow ahead, no lockdowns, and people were going to be personally responsible, and that's how they were going to weather and ride out the pandemic. Oh, sorry, like any other disease. <laughs> well, like like any other okay. flu, pneumonia. I mean, really, right? But but they but then they ran into problems where they had a spike in infections and a spike in deaths. So it turned out that the Swedish experiment may not have worked. Correct. Correct. And then you have the Russian one where they locked down the town for two weeks, three weeks, and then opened up and never locked down again and had the lowest rates. And why? Because people built up immunities. There were no there were no injections yet. Okay. Now injections are coming, which is normal, which is a good thing. But all I'm saying is, uh, and I'll give you an example. Um, there are 5,000 MRIs and CT scans that people can't take. 500,000, right. not 800. You want to go in, into intensive care or in other places. All of that half could die. So which was better? Well, okay. It, it is true that because of COVID and hospital admissions, people in, a, in ICUs, that a lot of elective surgeries had to be canceled. A lot? Or postponed. Oh, 500,000. Well, a lot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then people who, for example, needed uh, urgent care treatment, when you say like an MRI or emergency surgeries, they their outcomes may have been affected by overcapacity at the hospital. 200,000 suffering from life-saving heart surgery and cancer were put on hold. How many died? In, yeah. How many people died in Canada? I, COVID? Is it 20,000? I, I could be wrong. Uh, so twenty-eight. Oh, let me see if I find it. Thirty thousand, two hundred thousand, Alan. Two hundred thousand. Hold on, and that's the tipping pot. That is the tipping pot. This is registered. This is what we know. I think the it, number of deaths in yeah. as as we sit here, the number of deaths in Canada, twenty-four thousand seven hundred fifty-six. Okay. So here's where we are, guys. Causes of death, despite the arrival of COVID, statistics Canada, two thousand ten were consistent with the total deaths in nineteen, eighteen, and seventeen. Never been released by politicians anywhere. They don't want to talk about it. Now, 200,000 Canadians suffered cancellation of surgeries that are life-saving for heart and cancer. We don't know what's going to happen from those. Forget about all the ones that we don't know about. These are ones that were scheduled that are not, didn't get it. Okay? Um, I'm not saying anything but facts. Um, that's all I'm saying. And then when I tell you about malaria, tuberculosis, and all that, way higher. Way right. higher, okay. Particularly ages ages of five years old. Yeah, not not a lot not a lot of malaria in Canada, but okay. Oh, well, let's talk about the world, though. There is, and no one's done anything about it. Well, okay. I, okay. Let me let me just throw these things out. I mean, there there are a lot of anomalies in the way the COVID nineteen pandemic has has rolled out across the world. For example, why in Haiti do they have such a low infection rate? That does not make sense. Or they're lying. Uh, why? <laughs> or, or they're lying. Oh. Why in so many so many areas of Africa have, have low infection well, rates? I, I believe, you know, Alan, it's politics. It's how they're reporting it. I don't believe okay. it's medical. See, that's what I'm trying to say here. We had an infection. There's no doubt. We had a problem. There's no doubt. We jumped quickly at all the wrong things. No doubt. More people are making money making masks. Pfizer will have record profits ever. And they had this... They were working on this five years ago. You know why they didn't release it and do any more with it? 
no, there's no money to make on it. Pfizer started working on COVID-19 type of strain five years ago. They started working on coronavirus vaccines using the mRNA formulation years ago. Same thing with Johnson & Johnson. No money, same thing with, uh, no money in it. All right, fine. Well, okay. now, now there is. Oh, yeah. So, so, so my point is, uh, you could go back and say, if we didn't have a pneumonia flu vaccine, we'd all be dead too. Um, we didn't jump on it in one year. So, you know, we didn't jump on it in one year. Um, we didn't jump on it. No, sorry. In one month. So, so okay. So let me, let me, let me, that is what we have to understand that that's what's going on. All right. So just so I can allow you to save yourself here. Okay. Uh, you, you, COVID's real. A lot yeah, of people died. Absolutely. A lot of people were infected. Absolutely. Absolutely. A, lot of, a lot of lives were impacted. Correct. A lot of hospitals were overrun. Well, hold on. Hold on. Lives impacted? Oh, I want to discuss that. Yes. Don't stop on that one. Because I figured okay, there'd be so, more deaths than uh, the impacted lives of COVID. They didn't get it. There'd be more deaths than people got COVID from all the other things, from being locked out, healthcare, education, statistical lives lost. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that because this could be yeah. bigger than COVID. Well, it is. But again, you know, we're looking at things in the rearview mirror. We have the... Uh, the uh, oh, no, I'm not. I'm looking to the future. Well, no, I, when we talk about, you know, the government did this wrong and did this wrong and did this wrong, we have the benefit of... No, 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 no. I'm saying it shouldn't have been shut down. Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, no, no. I don't care if the government did wrong or right. I'm saying we could have kept going and running the economy, keeping people healthy and following things and living with uh, creating our own... And, and, and other than being told what was wrong and doing it versus what we could decide on our own. That's what I'm saying. But isn't this with the benefit of hindsight? Because when we went into this, we had no idea. I mean, this is the first modern pandemic. Yep. The first time we've had a pandemic since the invention of antibiotics. So it's a hundred years since uh, the great influenza epidemic of 1918 to 1920. So we didn't know what to do. It's, it, you know, shutting things down, locking people down. Why didn't we shut down? Okay, so why did we stop selling cigarettes? Twenty-one thousand people died last year from that. Why did we shut down? Well, what is that? Do we going to do that for another ten years? Why did we not stop selling? Well, I, I, I again, I get it. Twenty-one thousand people died last year. But, but I'm curious why? Why? So I don't believe that, Alan. See, that's my problem. There's where the problem is. It's not political. Why are I, I can tell you we're not shutting down cigarettes. Do you want me to tell you why? I can answer well, if you want to answer. Tax. It's voters. Yes, and there's it's voters. And tax revenue. Tax revenue, of course. But but it's not going to do with health. That's politics, again. So I'm asking you, more people died on average every year from tobacco than COVID. Yes. So I I can, I believe you can still walk down the street and buy a pack of cigarettes. Okay, but if, why? We're, okay. if we're fortunate on people, why not? We're this is not hindsight. Let's go forward here. Let's go right. forward. So we know that 21,000 people are going to die from smoking next year. Do we stop selling cigarettes or do we just, oh, we only shut down for this. But we are phasing out cigarettes. Oh, no, you want to, oh, so let's phase out COVID. Well, it's. See, you're doing exactly what I thought you would do. And that's good. You're taking that side. And I'm saying, we're just taking one little site and attacking it. And there's so many that we couldn't give a crap about. We just don't care. Oh, by the way, 4,100 people died of tuberculosis last year. Okay. So so hang on. Let me go back. Yeah. So while you're not arguing that COVID was a real crisis, no. a real global No, no, okay, no. What no. you're saying, I, I think, is that based on the statistics that you have in front of you, based on the science that you have- I'm reading them, yeah. These are science. These are okay. Stats Canada. Based on the science that you have in front of you, 
you say that we could have weathered this better without hardcore lockdowns. Correct. Okay. Without shutting down the world, because now we're, we're going to, we've paid for it so far, but we haven't seen anything yet. Well, um, okay. So let's, let's leave that argument behind and let's go forward. Okay. No. So, so going forward to technology. Okay. Going forward to technology. Yes. Uh, I mean, my wife and I had a, a conversation about this the other day, how COVID has affected us. We've, our, our social skills have attributed to nothing. We sit around watching TV and doing nothing else. Yeah. You st- I don't care about us. Okay. But what I'm saying is that this whole thing over the last 15 months or whatever it's been has irrevocably changed the nature of the human existence on the planet. And we're yeah. going to feel the effects yeah. of this going forward for many years. Correct. The effects, uh, we're going to feel the effects of this impact that shouldn't have happened for years. Okay. So I'm going to let you jump off at that point and tell okay. me what we're going to experience. Okay. So, so the biggest thing we're going to have to do is technology is going to have to carry us out of this. Right. And so what have we done that has done this? Well, we know that, of course, things like COVID can be predicted uh, using um, advanced software and AI. We now can predict, we can predict everything going forward. And we can also design things to allow us not to be in this position again, not to make these political mistakes again. Um, so, and by the way, I've been affected by COVID. I have a mother-in-law locked in that we haven't seen for two years, year and a half, 18 months. So it's not that I haven't been affected, I have. Um, but I got to tell you, Alan, I've, been, I've had five people killed, die in my family when I was 19 years old, then that do with COVID. And we're still driving cars. Now that's really weird, right? Mm. I had three people lost a car accident. You can still drive a car. I mean, that's surely not fair, but we just choose politically to do things. So technology-wise, we can do that. Um, what have we done technology-wise? I believe it all has to do, has to be put into social applications, not hard cures. Hard cures have always been there. If somehow we get around the, the big uh, manufacturers, like it's no coincidence that it took this long for Walmart to close down and only allow groceries. And Costco. It wasn't because we cared. It's political pressure. It's not because we cared. Okay. Come on. I mean, so technology's going to have to deal with that now and say, we've got to be able to have the ability to help people socially and mentally. This is where the problems are now. The applications of living in prison have damaged a lot of people. I mean, a lot. I, I talk to them all the time, Alan, on the phone. See, I said I don't care about me and you, and I mean that. We've lived our lives, and we're going to adjust. We're mature. But kids in their 20s and 19s, even to 35, they're damaged so badly um, that we have to address and help them. Okay. How do we do it? Technology. Okay. So here you go. Tell me the technology that's going to help these kids. Uh, Technology is now being developed for people to get them back involved socially. You can't have people sitting in cars for four hours a day. You can't have people sitting at home every single day. You cannot do that. If you do that, you're going to lose. So we need hybrids. So what are we developing? We're developing developing what you and I are on right now, podcasts and interaction, but we can't live on that. We've got to let these people get into their offices and coexist and form social relationships. So what is there? There's social apps coming out of the yin-yang. 
There are social apps that allow you to look at your problem you have with other people and solve them. And they're available. I mean, there's all kinds of, if you took a minute now, you'll get a, a thousand different apps to help people get through this in a positive manner. Because right now, it gets worse, Alan. There are people who won't take the, who won't take COVID uh, vaccinations. Forget the ones that took them. There are people who won't do it. They're paranoid. So what do we need? We need more information. Uh, we need science applications, not political people at the top talking about it. Go and read about it. I am. And read about, um, you know, for example, when they said AstraZeneca was no good, that's BS. Well, I, I agree. You have the best chance to win the lottery and get a blood clot. However, they don't say that. Do they say that on, on TV? No, because it doesn't sell. It, it, you have, so we got to do that. We, we need applications that allow people to learn that. Right. When it comes to AstraZeneca, uh, fear sells news. Fear gets clicks. Fear sells newspapers. I got the AstraZeneca. Did you? I didn't know that, by the way. No, I did. I'm waiting for my second okay. shot. I'm perfectly happy to do it. But this yeah. idea that that just because, and this is, I don't want to minimize it, but a number of people did become ill and a few have died uh, as a result, apparently from the side effects of the AstraZeneca vaccine. But if you look at the UK, that whole vaccine is the reason the UK is opening these days. Oh, hold on. Here's a better one, though. But then again, I don't mind science warning you. But then tell them what the odds are of dying from getting a normal vaccine for the pneumonia. It's higher. So like, okay. what I don't get is people don't know that, and I'm afraid for them. So there has to be more news, more social applications to talk to these people. And that's what they're doing, by the way, Alan. They are going and they are reading about it, and they are not going to the mainstream media. They are not going to the – And that's the problem. They're going to Facebook, and they're getting all this disinformation that's being circulated by anti-vaxxers and maybe foreign agents. Why? Just provide science, provide the apps, the true science, the true thing. So what I think has to happen is people are afraid of jobs. People don't want to socialize because they think they don't know how to. That's really amazing. I've seen a lot of that now. I read a lot about that where people don't want to even get on social applications because they don't know what they're doing or right. They're afraid. You just said it there. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say I've read all this stuff that says it was BS because I know it's not all BS, but I'm not afraid to say it. You want to give me facts that makes it better? I want them. So you have these people who are hopping in, are not going to hop in cars. Now they're talking, by the way, newest thing now is they're looking at stopping car sharing. So if we open up, you can't car share. So you can't socialize. Why? Car sharing is more people. We want to get you apart. I think that shouldn't happen. I think we should, but there are going to be applications to track car sharing because they're afraid that people not only don't want to car share, but are afraid of it. They're scared. Are we talking about services like Zipcar or are we talking about Zip, carpool? Uber, Uber, carpooling. Okay. Oh, anything. I see. Okay. All right. Anything, guys. And they're, they, that was just yesterday. They're saying, if we come out, should we stop carpooling? No. We need people to talk to each other. Do we want a car pool safely? Yes. By the way, I'm just what I said to you. Even if I don't agree with it, I think there should be things that are done right. And I think you should carpool. I think you should talk to people. I think you should take transit, but safely. Okay. If that's your worry, make it safe. But I want you to do it. I don't want you to, to sit in your house. All right. Let me. So there's technology out there doing that. Okay, go ahead. Let me, let me try and summarize. So what you're saying is, 
a lot of the lockdown may, in retrospect, have been completely unnecessary. These lockdown measures were prompted by political pressures rather than scientific measures. Uh, some statistics seem to bear this out. And you're saying that as a result of these lockdowns, we are going to see a tsunami of social problems going forward with people who were adversely affected by not only COVID, but by the measures designed to uh, curtail COVID. Have I got it right so far? Correct. School. School. Okay. We have kids who've never, who might've been five years old, never been to school. And now they're going to put in to be socialized and they don't know how to socialize. I think that's where we got to help people. So the solution, in, in your opinion, is proper, careful, targeted implementation of specific technologies to help people individually and society as a whole. Correct. There are applications now that help kids who have diseases, learning disabilities, that have found that are great through using applications that talk to the child and make them feel good. I think that's to be expanded to every kid. I think these applications that are out there to help kids with diseases, whether diseases that we call diseases, but even to the point of kids that have um, Down syndrome or anything else, it's worked. I think it has to be expanded to the point where these technologies that work with kids have to be more open. Parents are in the same position. They're stressed. Parents don't know if they can ever go to work again. Why? Not because they can't work. They're afraid. The, if I'm a parent, what is out there that will teach my child to understand what's going on? Because they have to know. You shelter them, that's even worse. But we're sheltering them with fear right now. Bad, bad, bad way to do it. My, as you know, um, and you have the same problem, I have a grandmother who lived during World War II as a little kid. And it was all fear. And I see it in her now when I talk to her at, in her 80s, the same fear. I can't go out. I can't talk to people. You can go out. Here's the app to do it. You can do this. Here's the application to do it. Um, here are the facts, and they're instantaneous. I want to know what happens if I go to a mall. Don't scare me not to go. I want to know how I can go. And there's apps for it. Well, there, there are certain studies that are being held, uh, mostly in Europe, where they get a lot of people into a large venue. A couple of concerts have been done this way. They measure- And soccer games. and They measure airflow. They measure touch points. They measure social distancing. They have you know a number of or sanitizing stations and all that. And then two weeks or three weeks later, they go back and, and try to figure out exactly how many people were infected as a result of going to this particular event. Yes. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, you're correct. So what you're saying is we should be looking at more of these uh, experiments so that maybe, you know, with a couple of, uh, this is really simplifying things, don't, don't jump on me, but if with, you know, a, a changing the airflow with the air conditionings in a mall, you could reduce the airborne transmission of COVID to a safer level. Sorry, or any disease. Or any disease. Okay, fine. Um, I think we better not we better not think the only thing that's going to come out of this is there could be a COVID. There's other stuff coming, guys. Is the world the way it is? It's coming. There's other things that we, but don't worry about it if we're prepared. But you're dead on. Hold on, Alan. We all love going to, well, I do. I love going to baseball games and hockey games. And when you walk into the washroom, it's so unsanitary. It's <laughs> you think? Okay? Yeah, but hold on. Now, if we change that, that's not a big deal, guys. If we actually make it normal the way it should have been from day one, 
has nothing to do with COVID. It has to do with we can go there comfortably and do anything and cut down on everything. Okay. And that's what the attitude has to be. It has to be we're safe to do things, not just safe to do things that will have COVID. Because that's what I want to do. Let me run through a couple of things here. First of all, we have learned a lot about transmissible diseases as individual human beings. When we get back to normal or get closer to normal, a lot of people are going to continue to wear masks in public places on the subway, on the bus. That's fine. That's okay. You oh, should have been able to do that anytime. You do it in China. All right. So I that's it. one change. Another change is that we've become much more uh, cognizant of how disease spreads. So we'll be washing our hands more. We'll be staying away from other people more. We'll maybe stay home from work when we're sick rather than going in and be, being a trooper about the whole thing. That's another. Uh, because we're dealing with uh, the amount of technology that went into creating the COVID-19 vaccines is incredible. It had been around for a while, but yes. it was hugely, it took this event to accelerate this kind of development all over the world. So that in a matter of what, nine months, we ended up with vaccines. And it's unbelievable, actually. No, I'm with you on that for sure. Right. And we have these mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, which uh, they target coronaviruses and the spike proteins. And what's the common cold but a, a form of coronavirus, right? Of course. It is. So, We've all known that. So, yeah, it's, it's one variant. So could, could out of this, we finally get a vaccine or a shot or something that cures the common cold. It's, it's not necessarily a vaccine. You hear about these COVID pills that are coming so that at the onset of COVID symptoms, you take the pill and it wipes out the virus in, in your body. Or these uh, these new nasal sprays that they're working on wipes out the COVID viruses that are lurking in your sinus cavities. So if, if you can apply this to something as serious as COVID-19, maybe? Anything. Politics will guide that. Well, yeah, I will, science will not govern that. Politics will. Well, I, I worry about, okay, the idea of having a universal uh, COVID vaccine. Doesn't matter what variant of COVID, it will target all COVID, vaccine, uh, COVID uh, infections, including the common cold. What is that going to do to the vast billions and billions of dollars that is spent manufacturing and selling uh, cold remedies? I know. I know. Oh, back to politics and, and the, 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 the whole idea of the medical companies, particularly, that spend hundreds of millions of dollars politicking, right, in Washington and other places in the world. Of course, but that's who gets it out. It doesn't mean the best comes out. It means the one who gets the most politicking gets out. And can we do that? No doubt about it. Will we do it? Nah. nah I'm sorry. It's, it's going to take technology to it. Now, here's where I'm back to. It's going to take computers to design to find these problems, not companies. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I think, um, but Alan, let's talk about the smart city. So we get to it all. We, I think it's great we went through this. We have to make it available to people who are worried. For me to open a door, I'm going to pull that handle. To me to drive in a parking garage, I'm going to take that ticket. But what? what if we don't have to do that? It doesn't matter whether you can do it. If we make all of the systems downtown in the urban city frictionless from all types of diseases, we make it comfortable for everybody. So the guy who wants to, the guy that's comfortable, great. 
I'm, by the way, I'm one of those guys. But to respect those who are uncomfortable, we can do it. And technology has to do that. When you travel through the urban planet, the urban city, the smart city, all the technology we should be doing should make a person feel safe and frictionless as possible because that will make it easier for everyone, regardless of what we feel will do. So I think that's what we have to come from this is all this technology that was developed to be frictionless is introduced. And when you go into a smart city, you want all these applications running, whether we like it or not, it has nothing to do with COVID. COVID made it happen. And I believe that um, all these technologies are there and I put it on people, organizations, companies, governments, cities, implement it. If they don't, they've lost the opportunity. And that's it for this edition of the Smart City Podcast. We'll be back soon with another program featuring more smart people and their ideas for connecting us together through smart technologies. Feedback's welcome. Send everything and anything to feedback at thesmartcity.blog. You can check out our website, which is thesmartcity.blog. You can find past programs there as well as who and what else is coming up. The Smart City Podcast, brought to you by Locomobi World moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical production by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant, Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.